Well, good morning. Welcome to Trinity. Glad that you're with us this morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. We're returning to our series in this incredible little letter to the Ephesians. And we are in the last stretch of it. We're, we're actually going to slow down and take our time as we go through this last stretch. We are beginning a series through the armor of God. And, and we're going to tackle sort of an overview of that today. And then each week for the next several weeks, we're going to look at each piece of that armor individually. And hopefully after today, you'll get a sense of why I want to do that, why I want to slow down and take a look at these pieces um, very carefully. So why don't we start and get that overview? Let's read verses 10 through 13 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done it all, to stand firm. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word, we ask that you would do a good work in us, that you would turn our hearts to you, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to understand your word, that it would draw us to you through faith in Jesus and strengthen that faith all the more. So be with the preaching and the hearing and the receiving of this, your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I find some of Jesus' last words on earth just hours before he went to the cross and endured the tomb to be the most endearing, encouraging, hope-inspiring words. And I imagine it's kind of like, you know, this seems almost silly to compare it, so sorry about that. But like at the end of a very gripping, thrilling movie that has a bit of a twist. If you were to go back and watch it all over again, you'd see things that you didn't see the first time, knowing the outcome of that movie. And I would imagine for those disciples, knowing the outcome of what we celebrated last week, the resurrection, that they would have looked back over those few years with Jesus, or maybe those few hours leading up to his betrayal and death and then burial, very differently. They may review back over those conversations and those moments, those things that Jesus said, and have picked up on them in very different ways than when they first heard them, knowing the outcome of what Christ endured. One of those moments for the disciples had to have been when Jesus said these endearing, encouraging, hope-inspiring words in John chapter 16. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And it's as if the end of Ephesians The Apostle Paul is tasked with walking through all the implications and applications of what it means to take heart. I don't know what you think about when you think of the armor of God. Maybe, you know, a kid's craft, a, a felt board, a coloring page. 
But I hope that what we will see at the end of this little mini-series within our series through Ephesians is that we would be all the more inclined and eager and equipped to take heart. To take heart in Christ. This aim for us this morning and through this series is that we would see that we can indeed be strong and stand firm because Jesus is the whole armor. And the whole armor of God helps us visualize this or at least put a picture in our mind of what it is that we are to do and what we can do and why it's so important. And I want us to look at those things together. First, by looking at the what. We are called to something, to be strong and stand firm. And what we're called to, we're given the how. Put on the armor of God. And if we didn't need convincing yet, here's the convincing. Why? The spiritual struggle that we face on the way. We're called to be strong and stand firm. We can do that by putting on the whole armor of God. We are called to this, and we can do this because of the spiritual struggle on the way. So let's walk through that together. First of all, the what? Be strong and stand firm. Sort of a bookend to our little passage here is a call to be strong and to stand firm. Look again at verse 10 and verse 13. Verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And verse 13 says, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. I'm going to say this after each point uh, of this passage, uh, of this message. So what? Be strong and stand firm. But really, this is about Jesus. Really, this is about Jesus. And the key to understanding what Paul is doing in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 is found actually back in verse 10. That says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Note that the idea of being strong is located somewhere. It's located in the Lord. And note that being strong is characterized by something. It's characterized by the strength of his might. So our being strong is really being located in Christ and characterized by Christ's strength at work in us. So it's a be passively strong that we're called to. Be passively strong. The verb here to call that we're called to be strong, it's it's an imperative we're called to this, but it's with a passive force. Me it's it's almost a a contradiction in in ideas to to be called to do something but also to know that passively, meaning this Do this thing for which has been done for you and to you and is now being done in and through you. That's what we're called to. Do this thing which has been done for and to you and is now being done in and through you. Three things I want to say about that. First, this thing that has been done for us and to us and is now being done in us and through us was first demonstrated by Jesus when he once for all defeated Satan through his life, death, and resurrection. So this call to be strong in light of the spiritual struggles in this world that we face is 
This call is that we would, first of all, be strong in Jesus in knowing that Jesus has demonstrated his once-for-all defeat of Satan. Secondly, this being passively strong, this do this thing for which has been done for you and to you and is now being done in and through you, it is displayed in us by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit who renews us again and again to keep on walking, to keep on following after Jesus in spite and irregardless, really, of what might be happening in and around you in this world or even in your life. The Spirit is at work in you to renew you and to strengthen you and to equip you and to encourage you and to convict you and to comfort you to keep on walking. Thirdly, do this thing for which has been done for you and to you and is now being done in and through you. It echoes an imagery from an Old Testament book, Joshua. When the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. But note what is said in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We are called to be passively strong. To rest in all that God has done, is doing, and will do. And then to live in light of all that God has done, and is doing, and will do. That we are called to be strong. And we are strengthened also to stand firm. The Apostle Paul has already pictured the Christian life as a walk. That we are walking out our faith, walking out our life in Him. So are we called to walk or stand? And the answer to that is yes. Stand firm conveys the idea of something that is fixed and firm. It's remaining. Meaning this, that we are fixed in our faith in Jesus as we walk or live following after Him. And Paul has already prayed that we would be strong to stand firm. He's already prayed that we would indeed be strengthened for this very thing in light of the very world in which we live in. In Ephesians 1, 19 through 21, he prays this. He says, he prays that we would know what, it, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. That we would know the immeasurable greatness of that power at work in us. That we can be strong and stand firm because that is happening in us And through us. That's what we're called to. Called to live in light of all that God has done for you and in you. And is doing through you. Called to live in light of that. To not just sit and wait. But called to to live in light of that. Not to just simply react to a harsh world. But to live positively going forward in our faith. Knowing God and Helping him be known in this world. That is what we are called to. To be strong in that which God has done 
in us and is doing through us. So how? How can we be strong like that? How can we be strong and stand firm? Well, we put on the armor of God. Look at the verse part, first part of verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. This is really about Jesus. This is really about Jesus. No, it's not about a Roman soldier, how a Roman soldier was dressed. It's about Jesus and how he fulfills all of God's promises. I mean, I know, I'm sure, like me, I've heard it a million times. Paul was shackled to a soldier and used that visual to encourage the church. The visual of a Roman soldier in armor uh, to encourage the church. But no, that's not what is going on here. The verse says, it is the armor of God. That is, it is armor belonging to God. All of these pieces are really armor pointing us to what God has promised to do for his people. And how Jesus did it. We'll consider it next week as we start getting into this. But a familiar place for us to land and to be is Isaiah chapter 11. Talks about the warrior of God coming to rescue God's people. It's more of the Old Testament armor in mind than the Roman armor that Paul had. And so we are called then to put on what Christ has already won. We're called to put on what Christ has already won. How are we to be strong and to stand firm by putting on what Christ has already won? And how do we put that on? Well, we believe and we apply. We believe and we apply. To believe and apply, first of all, we rehearse to ourselves, that we rehearse together like we are doing right now. We rehearse who God is. We rehearse what God has done through Jesus. We rehearse what that makes us, his people. And we rehearse how then that shapes our lives. We keep rehearsing and reminding and teaching and digging deeply into these things that are true about God and his purposes and Jesus and how he fulfills them. Christ has done what we could never do to give what we could never gain to bring us to where we could never go. We remind ourselves and we rehearse these things. We rest in them and that it is enough for our salvation. We rejoice over them because it is the God of the entire cosmos, the heaven and earth, doing this for us so that we would be saved. And we rely upon that same God who did all of that for us to be the God who strengthens us to live out our faith in a hard world, a harsh world, with hearts that easily wander, or easily distracted, or easily discouraged, or easily dissuaded from following. We do this again and again and again. The good thing is, this is such a great treasure trove of amazing grace that we will never run out of treasure to treasure. There will never not be enough. Our hearts need this constant rehearsal. As Doug was reading through that prayer, we're like that man who brought his his son before Jesus. I believe, help my unbelief. 
And we walk our hearts through that again and again. How do we put that armor on? We keep Christ and how he's fulfilled all of God's purposes for us front and center to our lives, to our hearts, to our heads, to our church. Front and center. We gather because Jesus has saved us. We don't gather so that we could be saved. As if our church attendance is collecting gold stars on that poster board in the sky. No, we are resting in and rejoicing over and relying upon this. And we rehearse it again and again and again and again. We sing it, we pray it, we preach it, we talk about it. We read it, we think on it, we pray through it, we study it, we talk about it, we share it. We need this again and again. That's how we put this armor on. We don't set it aside for something else. We keep the main thing the main thing. So we believe and we rehearse what we believe. And then we apply. We apply what we believe about the gospel, that is, God sovereignly and graciously saved sinners through the sacrifice of his son who lived and died and rose again to give us this salvation and that all who look to Christ, trusting in his life, death, and resurrection, through faith, trusting that, will be saved, the Bible tells us. We apply what we believe about the gospel to a number of things. First, We apply what we believe about the gospel to how we think about God. How we think about the world around us. How we think about our lives in it. We apply what we believe about all that God has done for us in Christ to the way we think about him and the world and our lives in it. We also apply what we believe about the gospel to how we feel about God. How we feel about the world around us. How we feel about our lives in it. Do we look at the world and and look at it and ask for it to give to us what it has nothing, it it can't give it because it doesn't possess it. Do we keep going back to the world to ask for it more and more? like Like a kid going back to the claw game at an arcade. Just pumping $5 in at a time as it's rigged in such a way that you won't ever get what it is that you're trying to get. And even if you do get it, It's broken or it melts by the time you get home. So we take what we we believe about the gospel and we process it. And we, we see how it shapes the way we think about God, think about the world, think about our lives. How we feel about God, feel about the world, feel about our lives. We tell ourselves the things that are true about who God is, about the world around us, and about our lives. So that then we can get to, thirdly, we see and apply how, what we believe about the gospel to how we live for God. How we live in the world, not for the world. How we live with our very lives. How your life is meaningful. Because through your life, you get to know God, love God, follow God, and glorify Him. Be a part of that with others. So we take what we believe we apply it to how we think, how we feel, and how we live. And this sort of application, it, over time, slowly and surely, fosters in us 
a growing Christ-honoring values. We begin to live with more Christ-honoring values, the things that are most important to us, most endearing to our hearts, the thing that really motivates our motivation. That begins to be shaped with a Christ-honoring value. And those motives then become God-glorifying rather than self-satisfying. We begin to live with motives that want to bring glory to God in how we are, what we are, and where we are, and what we do. And then thirdly, we see that they bring about a spirit-relying manner of life. If the spirit is the power of God and the presence of God and the people of God, then I want to rely upon the spirit, not on on my own ingenuity or my own abilities, but on the spirit at work transforming and renewing. And through this believing and applying gospel truth, we are putting on the whole armor of God. What are we called to? We're called to be strong and stand firm. It's really about Jesus. How can we do that? Well, we put on the whole armor of God, which is also really about Jesus. Why? Because of the spiritual struggle on the way. Which for us is really going to funnel us back to see it's really about Jesus. Let's look again at verses, uh, the rest of verse 11 and verse 12. So we're called to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places that should overwhelm you. We find in here a a purpose clause and a, a striking reality. First, I want to talk about the purpose clause. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We are to put on this armor so that, that's the purpose, we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The world we live in is filled with many schemes that are set up by the devil. The word for schemes negatively means craftiness. That is, to be diverted, to be tricked, or conned into doing something or going somewhere you don't want to go. Doing something you don't want to do or going somewhere you don't want to go. The world we live in is set up with many schemes to divert. The only other time we see that word is actually earlier in the letter, in Ephesians 4, 14, which says, So that... Another purpose clause. We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That in its own serves as a harsh reality to the world we live in. There are schemes that are operating behind the things that we can invest our lives in that are set up to divert our attention our focus, our affection, and our adoration away from our Redeemer and our King. Positively, the word for schemes can mean the way, the path, the journey, and the route. Negatively, it means to divert you 
Positively, it means to stay on the path, on the journey. Paul spent a lot of time encouraging us on this very journey in this letter. He uses the word walk to capture the metaphor of life, living, our manner of living, our direction for living, the way we go about living. In Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are, cre- we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Ephesians 5.2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Ephesians 5.15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. We're sent on this journey Christward. We are to grow Christward. We are to go Christward. That is the root. That's our gospel root. And the world in which we live in is filled with schemes to take us off that root. And so we need to be strong and stand firm and put on the whole armor so as to stay on this path. Satan's aim is to divert you off the path of his journey, of this journey, excuse me, to disrupt your gospel route, to discourage you from walking Christward. We are able to be strong and to stand firm by putting on the whole armor of God, by rehearsing these truths again and again and applying them to how we think, feel, and live. Even when we feel weak and wobbly, Even when we feel distracted and discouraged, you have something greater in you. So take heart. So if that's not enough, let's get a brush with some crazy reality here. This is and will be a lifelong struggle. There will be no day until your last day or Christ's day, that this won't be a struggle. This will be the struggle, the rest of the way, the world around and the heart within. Look again at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. For we do not wrestle. A better word here would be the word struggle. We struggle with flesh and not with flesh and blood. Struggle, an ongoing, intensifying conflict. Struggle, meaning wearying and threatening. Struggle. This isn't a light matter that we can ignore and it, like the sound that you hear in your car and you ignore it by turning up the music just ever so slightly so you don't hear it and it just poof goes away. That's, that doesn't work like that. That doesn't work either. So <laughs> you hear something, go to your mechanic. Something rattling in your chest, go to your doctor. It doesn't just go away. We can't ignore it. And we can't act like we can just brush it off like it's no big deal. It is a big deal. 
aloofness and arrogance will lead to spiritual calamity in our lives. I'm going to say that again. Aloofness to your own heart in a world set up with all sorts of schemes. Arrogance that you can handle it will lead to, will, will, underlined, will lead to spiritual calamity in our lives. I mean, just keep in mind the scope of the power that's operating behind the scenes, setting up these schemes set up to discourage us from Jesus. It's against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, against spiritual forces of evil. This is beyond us. So the purpose clause and the reality lead us to see something very important. We desperately need this armor daily. We desperately need to put on the whole armor daily. Or in short, we desperately need Jesus daily. Jesus. This is a picture of Jesus, this portion of Ephesians 6. This is Jesus for us. So when we put on the whole armor, we're putting on one who is, as we saw in Ephesians 1.21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. When we read that list in verse 12, it's overwhelming. It's beyond us. We cannot defeat that. But Jesus is above it all, over it all. Jesus also has the power to destroy these schemes. In 2 Corinthians 10.4, we're encouraged with these words. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Jesus has the authority over everything and the power to defeat all of it. And thirdly, Jesus has the supplies that we need. He, in fact, supplies all we need so that we can join in what we see in Romans thirteen twelve. Yes, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We have this. Jesus his authority, his power, his presence, and then he is showing off through this thing called the church. What looks to be weak and wobbly, filled with contradictions and hypocrites, as whatever the world might say, is actually Jesus showing off his authority and his power and his presence through the victory, through his victory, through the worship and witness and work of the church. In Ephesians 3:10, it says. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There may be schemes upon schemes within schemes set up to divert people away from the gospel. But the gospel goes forward and people are saved and saved people are strengthened. And strengthened people reach it to the very end because Jesus has authority. Jesus has power. Jesus' presence is with his people and he's showing that off through the, this crazy thing called the church. We need, we need this desperately. Desperately. 
We need to put on Jesus daily. We need to wake up feeling the desperation for Jesus daily. And to know that he has all that we need. Maybe this is all too overwhelming. And maybe just considering this, considering the things that you wrestle with, the things that you struggle with, that you actually aren't encouraged, you are not taking heart, you're struggling to take heart, you're struggling to be strong, you're struggling to stand firm, you're struggling to put on. Maybe it is overwhelming in that sense. So my hope is as we look at each piece of this armor and how we see Christ as the great and sure and true and lasting and better fulfillment of that picture, that your heart then will be encouraged to take heart, to be strong, to stand firm, to put on all that we have in Christ. And I hope that as we rehearse the gospel, and, and we'll be reminded and encouraged as we encourage each other to believe and to apply. And we would see that God supplies all that he calls for in us. So that we can, can come to know in real, tangible ways that we can be strong and stand firm. Because Jesus is the whole armor. Let us pray. God, we ask that you would help us see that in increasing ways, encouraging ways, life-giving ways. As we work through uh, this last portion of this incredible letter, that it would move our hearts to worship you, to make much of Jesus, to encourage each other all the more. That if we look across uh, our lives and one another, and we see wounded and weak and weary brothers and sisters in the faith, that we'd be eager to be encouragers, that we'd be eager to be the bringers of good news, that Christ is enough, that we would be eager to remind each other of how God has supplied all that we need in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and that together, Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, through thick, through thin, through it all, through loss, through joy, through sorrow, through hope, that we would be a people encouraging each other to put on this whole armor, to put on Jesus. We ask it in his name and for his glory and for our good. Amen.